Good morning. I'm Bob Hocutt, one of the elders here, and we are really glad that you're here. First, because it's really cold outside, and secondly, because today is the first Sunday in the next chapter of our ministry here at First Church. As you know, Pastor John has retired, and this brings us to a time of transition for our congregation. And transition and change often brings uncertainty and some level of confusion and frustration, but if you're willing to look for it, it also brings hope. It's been my experience, both professionally and personally, that people very often struggle with transition, especially when they have no control over it. The larger or the more intense the change or the transition, the more they struggle. Now, if you've been here a long time, you know that we're not any strangers to that. Um, if you recall, there was a time where there used to be pews in here, and we replaced them with the chairs. And then there used to be an organ sitting right here somewhere, and we re took that away. And all of those changes at the time were like, oh my gosh, they're getting rid of the pews. Like, church is never going to be the same. And then the biggest change recently has been this, what you're sitting in. We added this wing and that wing and all the stuff downstairs. And then what is the narthex used to be part of the parking lot. There's been a lot of change. It's a normal part of life. And the real question is, how do you deal with it? So no matter how you think about it, change always brings opportunity. You just need to be willing to look for it. So the question is, what do you do in the meantime? How do we worship Jesus when the familiar is gone? What should we do while we navigate this period of great change at First Church? And as the slide says... Now what? That's a very fair question to ask, and we're going to look at, this week and next, we're going to look at two transitions of leadership in Scripture and see what we can learn. This week, we're going to look at Moses to Joshua, and next week, we're going to look at Paul and Timothy. Now, we're going to take a look at Moses and Joshua today and discover how this Old Testament passage is still applicable, and my hope is that we leave here this morning better equipped to work through this season of transition. The idea of transition was precisely the issue Moses was talking about with Israel just before they crossed over to the promised land. Now, I have often marveled at how God was able to support three million plus, however many people it was, in the wilderness for 40 years. Only God can do that. But here they are, after they've wandered around, here they are ready to cross over. So just take for a minute, imagine for a minute what that means. You've been wandering around the desert for 40 years. You're on the verge of crossing over into the land that God promised you. What do you. Just imagine what that means for a minute. As I thought about that, three things came to mind. One, I don't have to live in a tent anymore, which had to be, like, awful. <laughs> Second thing that came to mind was that gardening would be a thing. They could grow things, and they could have, like, regular food, and they would have oil and wine available to do all the things that they typically do. So if you have a Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 is where we're going to start. Um, the word Deuteronomy means second law or repeating the law. So in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, God had given the people of Israel uh, a whole bunch of laws and things to follow. They were revealed to them at different places and different times, but they were given in order to begin to shape them into a nation. With the people ready to transition into settled life, Moses repeats, and in many cases expands upon, everything he had told them in the wilderness. Before we get to the passage, we need a little context to pick up the story. So I have to summarize the first five books of the Bible. Here we go. 20 minutes. That's all it's going to take. You ready? In the beginning, God created everything. 
And then a bunch of stuff happened, and Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. How am I doing? Too short. <laughs> they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years while God forged them into a nation. Now, if you read it from Exodus forward, you will realize that Moses had no end of troubles. Not only with the foreign nations preventing their going to Canaan, but with the people themselves. If you read it closely, you'll see that they whined and complained and moaned and whined and rebelled and complained and complained and complained. That's all they did the entire time. When we get to the book of Deuteronomy, we find Israel, the Israelites, ready to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. And although it's not part of our reading today, chapter 28, Deuteronomy 28, is a fascinating chapter because it outlines the whole future of the Hebrew people. And if you read it closely and compare it, you will find no fuller confirmation of history than that. That little factoid is important here. Uh, why do you think that's important? Moses knows. Not Moses knows. Moses knows. Moses knows Israel is going to turn from God. And so we find him in the book of Deuteronomy pulling out all the stops. And what he's doing in chapters 1 through 3, he's reminding them of their history. In chapters 4 to 26, he is reviewing the moral and civil code they had agreed to in the desert. And then in 27 through 33, he is delivering a final farewell charge to them, summing up everything he had just said and presenting the choices they would have to make and reminding them that he would not be going with them. So now we pick up the story in Deuteronomy 30. For this commandment, and that's all the laws and things he had just gotten talk, done talking to them about, this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven and bring for us, or <laughs> who, let me start that again. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we should hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God and walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to give them. Chapter 31, when Moses went and spoke all these words to Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today, and I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you, will, you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites in their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage and do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God 
He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Last verse. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now, that's a long passage and it covers an awful lot of ground. But in terms of transition, there are several things I think we need to look at here. Number one, God is near. The second one is to be faithful. The third one I'm not going to tell you about right now. We'll get to that in a minute. And the fourth one is be hopeful. So the first point is God is near. The commands Moses gave to the people were not mysterious. They weren't confusing. They weren't found in heaven. They weren't across the sea. They weren't in places where people could not find them. Rather, he says, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do them. It wasn't far away. It wasn't difficult. And it wasn't hidden. As a follower of Jesus, this reminds me that we have the Spirit of God inside of us to bring to mind the words of God, the commands of God, and that we, through the Holy Spirit, have all the power and ability to follow God's commands if we just listen and seek God's face. God's commands are not far off. They are not hard. They are not hidden. God is near. He is in our heart. He's in our mouth that we should be able to do what he asks us to do. So I want you to think about that for a minute and, and ask yourself, what does that really mean? If your faith in Christ is a function of this person or that person not being where you expect them to be on a Sunday, then I suggest you have a really big problem on your hands. If your faith is in others and not God, then your faith is not your own. It is dependent on another person. And the bottom line, folks, is that God wants a personal relationship with you. This is the gist of what Moses was saying. God is near. His commands are near and they are not hard to follow. God is in us and God will provide everything that we need. And we should be encouraged by that. And when we embrace the nearness of God, that opens up the way for us to be excited, expecting God to do great things because he goes before us. Point number two is be faithful. Deuteronomy 30 verses 15 through 20. This is fascinating to me. Time and time again, Moses entreats the people to follow the Lord their God, to obey his commands, to choose life, not death, choose good and not evil. And as we noted earlier, Moses knows full well that they are going to turn away from God. Without a doubt, he knows that. It's a fascinating thing to contemplate because all the while he's entreating them to follow God, make the right choices, he knows they're not going to do it. He's talking about being faithful. And as they were encouraged, so too should we be encouraged to be faithful, especially in a time of transition. So what does that look like for us in 2024? What does it look like to be faithful? We should be faithful in our worship, worshiping God and not other people, placing him in his rightful place in our lives. It is okay to be sad or uncomfortable that Pastor John's retired, but his retirement should not shake your faith or cause you any great, any great discomfort in being faithful. People come and go, but Jesus goes on forever. We should be faithful in our attendance, not neglecting our coming together as some are in the habit of doing, which is Hebrews 10.25. We should be faithful in our prayers for ourselves, for our congregation, for the leadership and the staff, 
and especially for whoever it is God has lined up to be next. We should be faithful in our service. Wherever you're serving, if you're serving here, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. If you're not, get involved. Help us get where we need to go. We should be faithful in our giving, returning to God a portion of what he has blessed us with. So God is near. We should be faithful. And now the mystery point. It's kind of like, let's make a deal. Door number three. Who said that? You. Moses tells the people he will not be crossing over to the promised land. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 20. And he goes on to tell them that God will be crossing over before them. It is God who will remove the people. God who will do the mighty works. They just need to obey, be strong, fear not, and and understand that God will not forsake them. And then in chapter 31, verse 7, Moses speaks to Joshua in front of all the people. Here's what he says. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. This was very curious to me because he had just said it, and now he says it directly to Joshua. What is Moses saying to Joshua? Do you see it? Anybody? Be humble. Moses is saying to Joshua, his replacement, that God is going before him. In other words, don't think more highly of yourself, Joshua, than you ought, because God is going before you. Humility, folks, is the enemy of pride and selfishness. Moses is speaking to the next leader, and I see in this a caution and an encouragement to the elders in particular. Be humble in everything. What we say, how we say it, what we do and how we do it, And in sight of all of you guys, you should expect us to be humble in moving us forward through this transition. But Moses spoke those same words to the people. Be humble. It applies the whole way around. So what does that look like for us as a congregation? I think we need to be humble in our assessments. Transition often brings out the armchair quarterback in people, especially folks with a lot of time on their hands. And my encouragement to you is resist the urge to be that person. And understand that we're all doing the best we can. And for many of us in leadership, this is our second or third full-time job. And we need a little grace sometimes. The second thing to be humble about is our conversations. Transition almost always feeds the rumor mill. It's okay to talk about the things that make you uncomfortable or the hopes you have for the future, but resist the urge to be a gossip. That doesn't help. We need to be humble in our relationships. Transition, especially large transition, very often stresses relationships. And this happens when people take issue with circumstances or decisions or actions of others, usually with incomplete information. Be willing to extend and receive God's grace as we work through the next chapter of our faith journey together. Item number four. So God is near. Be faithful. Be humble. And number four, be hopeful. This entire passage has a hopeful sound to me as I read it. Moses knows they are going to turn away from God, and yet he encourages the people again and again, in every way he knows how, to choose life and obey God's commands. I imagine the one thing Moses wanted more than any other thing was to enter the promised land. But because he sinned against God, and God told him he would not cross over, God would allow him, however, to see the land. Deuteronomy 34 says this, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. 
And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. What a bittersweet moment. He's so close and yet so far away. And I imagine Moses standing there seeing the land and seeing the the result of his life's work leading the children of Israel to the promised land. And when God said, this is the land, it must have moved his soul. Not long after, Moses was gone and Joshua led the people into the promised land. However, there's a very hopeful footnote to this story in the mystery of God. Moses did set foot in the land. A thousand years later, he returned with the prophet Elijah. And together, they visited with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. You can read about that in Matthew 17 and Mark 9 and Luke 9. I see in that the greatest hope of Moses being fulfilled. Through all the change, God remained an ever-faithful, never-changing God. God was with his people when Moses led. God was with his people when Joshua led. God was with his people after Joshua for generation after generation after generation. God was with his people, and God is with his people now. And for me, that should give us an unlimited amount of hope for whatever God has next for First Church. So how do we worship when the familiar is gone? I think the answer is pretty simple. Keep our faith in God, who will never leave us, never forsake us. And remind ourselves daily that God is near, and he has not abandoned us. Remind ourselves daily to remain faithful in what we're doing and how we're doing it. Remind ourselves every day to exercise humility in our actions and our decisions and our judgments with others. And remind ourselves daily that we can and should be exceedingly hopeful about what is God is doing in our midst. These are the things we should focus on as we enter a season of change. So next week, we're going to take a look at the New Testament transition from Paul to Timothy and see what they have to teach us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for your word, because it teaches us so clearly what we need to do when things change. I pray, Lord, that we have ears to hear and a heart to see what you have intended for us as we go forward. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, who died for our sins, Lord, and made it all possible. In his name we pray. Amen.